This evening, in honor of the recent anniversary of the Battle of Britain, we have a look at World War II movies through the ages. Starting in the obvious place, we go through bona fide classics, hidden gems, and modern throwbacks. We also hear tales of the great Howard Keel from Pam and our pet word Alveston. Welcome to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. Hello, we are back after a refreshing break that was longer than first envisaged, but no less welcome for it. You're listening to Sunshine Radio at St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight. My name is Tosin, and on this show, we will be delving into the goodie bag that is pre-1980s Hollywood and seeing what we come up with. Joining me as my fellow Lucky Dippers are Sharon. Hello. And Sean. Hiya. <laughs> so, what have you guys been up to for the last five Fridays? <laughs> oh, I think I've just been chilling You've and been relaxing. Chilling. I think... Yeah, because normally we sometimes we go to the films afterwards, don't we? We go to yeah. fix, but I think we've, I've even not done that. I've just been at home, watching Forged in Fire, which is my new latest obsession. <laughs> what? Forged in the Fire. What forged is Forged in, in Fire? Weapons, isn't it? They, yeah, it's a blacksmith show yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where they make weapons. They have this competition where you have to make weapons in a time slot. It's like Bake Off, but making knives. So it's it's essentially the Great British Bake Off, but for blacksmiths. With that, yes. Oh my word! <laughs> it's, it's compulsive viewing. I watch it every week with my brother. Why not? What they come up with next? Yeah, Forged in Fire. Check it out, people. It's excellent. <laughs> what channel is that on? History. History Channel. All right, Sean. What have you been up to over the last Me? five weeks? Well, I've, I've, I've got this weird allergy thing, so I've been been sort scratching. of trying to yeah, I've been scratching. But um, <laughs> I have seen lots of movies. I've watched lots of movies, and I've I've watched a couple of TV series as well. I, I watched um, Z Nation or. Yes. Which is quite good. Have you seen that one, Sharon? I've seen the beginning of it. Yeah. And there's this other uh, show called The Last Ship. I've seen that as well. You've seen that as well, I've, yeah. I've heard so of I've that. I haven't seen any of it. And I've seen the first two episodes. I've so. seen the first two seasons. Have you? Yeah. Does it good? I'm sort of with I the Russian it. guy at the moment. I yeah? enjoyed it. So that's good. So yeah, so I've been... And I did have a marathon and I watched every episode of Game of Thrones from season one up to season, oh, to season six. six. Yeah. Ah. Like, <laughs> like we get, I just... just because I mean, I love that show so much. <laughs> okay, my wife and I have tried. I've started doing a marathon, but it's a very, very slow marathon. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're kind of like on season two. Oh. <laughs> we're, what we're do like, you think? Season, it's good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's good. good Obviously, it wouldn't. It wouldn't make such. It wouldn't make, be such a big deal if it wasn't good. Mm. So the show is good. It is good. Yeah. So it's. Uh, uh, we're just sort of getting into it and figuring out. Well, essentially, how all the evil people are going to prosper. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm on a Game of Thrones hiatus at the moment. I'm take. I haven't seen five or six. Well, it's oh, gone yeah. totally different from the books. Because it's gone it's too different gone. from the books for me. I had to, it got to one point and I was like, no, no, this is a step too far from the books for me. <laughs> so I've taken a break and I might go back to the series, but at the moment I'm like, I need to, re- I need to be in love with the books again. Do, I, do, do, I mean, I haven't read the books. I've got to be honest, I haven't read the books, so I don't know. But are the book, books good? Excellent. Well, really? yeah, I, I just blame George R. R. Martin. He needs to get off his butt and he actually start, start writing. George, yeah. write. He is write such like a the wind. lazy, oh, lazy a man. But I love that <laughs> show. I mean, it's just brilliant. And the last episode, the penultimate episode was... It's it, episode six. nine is famously the big episode in each season. Absolutely brilliant. Ooh, all best, right. The, the battle scene in it is the best I've seen on any movie screen or any TV series. The actual, the battle in that is just the most incredible <laughs> piece of cinematography ever. All right, good. So you'll have to wait for that toast. That, Sorry. The, those, are, those, are, those are some high, high words. Okay, so what do we do on this show when we're not talking about Game of Thrones? On this show, we talk about movies, as we said, made pre-1980. We go through a bona fide classic, which is picked by either one of us or somebody on Facebook who gets in touch with us and says, Oh, how about this film? We love it. You should talk about this film. 
We then go into the hospital and we go speak to a patient where we have a patient choice where they usually tell us the story of the first film they ever saw in the cinema. Then we'll go on to a hidden gem, a movie that hasn't had its day in the sun and we have decided to write that wrong and here is the place in which we shall give it its day in the sun. Then we have, um, what happens after that? Oh yeah, we have the exception to the rule. To the rule yeah. Where we talk about a film made after 1980 that we think, ah, still good, still good. It gives you that same kind of feeling as all the movies made before then. So this week, we are kicking off with, I have kind of already said it, it was chosen by Sharon, The Battle of Britain. Battle of Britain, 1969. 1969, The Battle of Britain. And this is in, uh, well, because of the anniversary happened a couple of weeks ago. Yes, you normally start think, thinking about The Battle of Britain from between May and September. Okay, between May and September. Right, and now we, before we go anything, we're going to play the theme tune for Battle of Britain. Then when we come back, Sharon is going to give us a little bit of a history lesson. Yes, the theme tune for the Battle of Britain. Now, I haven't seen the Battle of Britain, but uh, during this, during that song being played, Sean was just so sort of going off, so sort of quoting lines that I can only guess are from the movie. Like Sean is wants to do. <laughs> that when, whenever, whenever Sean really, really likes a film, he just goes off on this sort of like you know random kind of like you know just he essentially he speaks to you in quotes from that film. Isn't that right, Sean? It is right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just speaks to me almost so, solely in quotes from the film. So, um, Sharon, as we said, okay, history lesson. This is a movie, Battle of Britain, but Battle it's based on an actual event that happened. Yes. Tell us what the Battle of Britain was all about. Okay, setting the scene. This is May 1940. War has been declared in September of 1939. And for the, more or less the first five or six months of the war, it was called the Phony War because very little happened. It was more or less a stalemate. The Germans made no great advances and the Allies were basically drawing their troops in and marshalling their forces. So very little happened then. Very suddenly, from about April of 1940, the Germans advanced and they swept across all of Europe, basically. And they headed into France and they just tore up all through the Maginot Line, all these old lines that had kept the armies apart during the First World War. They just tore through them as they weren't there. Yeah. And... Then you had some capitulations where some of the, the armies just basically sort of laid down their arms. And it got to the point where the BEF, the British Expeditionary Forces, had gone into Europe to see if they could hold these old lines that were there. One of my uncles was one of them, actually, in the Royal Engineers. And the BEF were just pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And then they ended up at Calais and at Dunkirk. And then we had the evacuations from Dunkirk. They left the, the people at Calais and they were all taken prisoners of war. And then you had the 350,000 men were evacuated from Dunkirk. So for a, for a more detailed explanation of that, watch the movie Dunkirk. Yeah, which was another one of Sharon's choices on They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. And so then the, the army, who the, the generals and the, the Air Force Marshals at the time had to make a decision at, about Dunkirk and about Calais. Do we fight to the bitter end or do we withdraw and then marshal our forces from the British Isles? 
And that's what the RAF decided to do before Dunkirk. They could see where the, where the land was lying and they decided that they were going to withdraw as many planes as they possibly could to make their last line of defence yeah. in Britain. So they pulled back the RAF, which the French are still bitter about now, the fact that you know, we probably could have put up a bit more of a fight on mainland Europe. But it was a strategic move to withdraw their forces. And so we are in the situation then in sort of May, June of 1940, where all of mainland Europe is under Nazi occupation. And then you've got this small RAF. Yeah. And most of our, our armed forces are scattered because there's a big... My dad was in North Africa at the time. My other uncles were in... Singapore and um, the, oh I've got I like saying I've got loads of yeah, yeah. and they're all in the war <laughs> so all our forces were scattered so we had a small army at home and this small RAF and so they decide right we're going to put up a fight and that's where the film starts okay cool so we've got on to that so the Battle of Britain was uh, from what, I, what I've read was an air battle primarily it's large an air battle yes an air battle that was held over uh, on British soil or over um, British soil over the southern England yeah primarily the, you could see from the island you could see uh, dog fights in the sky. You could see the the, the tail flume, whatever they call them, the, the smoke trails. I, yeah. Even at Ventnor, and I think it's in the movie, it's at Ventnor, the movie with Ventnor. the radar at Ventnor, and it gets attacked by Stuka dive bombers, Junkers 87s, which, and they actually show that bit in the movie, like, because we had radar, yeah. and you can yeah. actually see the. The, but they, they show that little they, bit. They do, look, yeah, because you see Ventnor, it's like, a, yes, it's us. Because there's, there's ruins of an old air station at <laughs> yes. Ventnor, isn't there? Yeah. Oh, okay. If you, if you go with Ventnor down, you can see where the where the old... Okay, old. so on this show, we sometimes have a, a feature called Isle of Movies, where we talk about when the island features in movies. This could be an Isle so of you're, Movies. So you're saying that the, the Battle of Britain could... We, we can claim that as an island movie. Yes, because yeah. they do say Ventnor. <laughs> it does, yeah. It says, you know, because yeah. that's like the first first part in yeah. fact i think there were some dog fights over here there well, were they? yeah and, and there was a battle of britain pilot buried on the island he crashed on the island and is buried um okay, so so the film starts there it's one of the churches so the film starts there so you there have you the, that sets the tone you see this sort of the fall of europe basically and then you see in these sort of small little airfields and often these airfields weren't built as raf fields they were civil aviation places that had just been converted or flying clubs yeah, that had been yeah, used yeah. and so they had this strategy that they would have the big wings, which was which was basically you have your bombers, which would fly and sort of do as much like bombing raids over Europe, and they would have a fighter escort. Mm. But the fighter escorts would only go so far. Yeah. So they had to more or less pull back at the English Channel or just over, and then they would have the dogfights in the sky where <coughs> the German planes would try to shoot down the bombers, and yeah. the little planes would then try to pick off the little planes. So you had the little two planes fighting fighting each other. And so this is a story, though, but it takes it down because it's such a big story. You, it was all of southern England. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like it, one of these sprawling movies, like, like The Longest down. Day or something yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. It breaks it down. So the first people you meet, you meet these sort of four or five chaps who are RAF pilots. Yep. And then you more or less follow them through the different aspects of the Battle of Britain. Yeah. So one of them is played by Robert Shaw. So you see him. He's like a wing. What is he? A wing commander. Who's that? Robert, Robert Shaw. Shaw. Yeah, he's a wing commander. He's a wing commander. So he's got this group of men underneath him and he's responsible for training up the young pilots and for making sure that his little airfield runs smoothly and that they get them up in the air and they get them trained. So you follow him and you follow other pilots. Edward Fox is another pilot you follow. Ian McShane and Michael Caine. These big British names that you follow through their experiences of the Battle of Britain. Yeah. Whether they're involved in flying with the Polish pilots. Repeat, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is what the, the okay. Polish pilots do all the time. Yeah, um, I, I think with like the big, basically after the fall of France, yeah, wasn't it? That was 
the case. And um, what originally, I think that they started with the airfields, didn't they? Yeah. And then, so they, they started with the airfields and old down. He's like, oh, I need all my fighters. We've got to defend the... We've got to defend the airfields because that's that's how the Germans started, and and yeah. you actually see that in the in the yeah, film attacking the They're, small bases. Go, but the the thing was with the dogfights over the channel. I think was they they our pilots were rescued, weren't they? So I mean, yeah. if they were, if any of the British planes were shot, they head to the channel and then they get picked up. Whereas the German plane, the German pilots would obviously end in captivity. But uh, then he changes and he starts the blitz on London, and then it all changes, doesn't it? Then? Yeah. So, so that's the turning point in the time. war. Where the hell are they? <laughs> and they're all heading towards all the bombers heading towards yeah. London. So you, you get these great scenes, though. So early in the Brilliant film, scenes. you see these scenes where they have these really young pilots because they're all quite... 1940, they, they're not weathered by the war yet. I mean, it's only yeah. been like... The war's been like two months old, active fighting. Yeah. So they're all quite innocent. They're still quite young and full of vim and vigour. And they suddenly get like these university students because they're the people who could f- fly because they're the wealthy from wealthy families. So you see them sort of coming into... These, the RAF, Hallie-ho and they're jets. like, them, how many hours have you got in the air? It's like, oh, 10, sir. You know, it's like, that's your flying experience, 10 hours in Spitfires. And then they get all these Poles who've been fighting the Germans in Poland for a long time and were experienced pilots, but had poor English. So they try to assimilate them into the, yeah. the RAF. And you get these great training scenes where they're flying around and they're like trying to give them instructions and they keep saying, repeat, please, <laughs> repeat, please. And they do it deliberately. They're winding up these corp. And you see That's actually, actually based on true fact. Is that, that was, um, you know, like there was a training. They were training to fly because they needed so many hours flying and they actually spotted it was a Heinkel 11E and they actually went down, or the, the Polish pilot went the down. Enemy. And the, although they got told off the pilots, secretly it was said, oh, well done, boys, well done. And now, <laughs> now you're operational. Now you're an operational They made them operational, yeah. Yeah. So... But, but you see those classic scenes as well where you've got the, the the RAF base with these ladies sat around the table with their little their Oh, little the, thing, the switchboard thingies. With the switchboard yeah. thingies. And they've got these long hooks where they're saying, you know, with the, the four numbers on them. So you've got like elevation, the flight number, the, the, the um, squadron number. And you see them pushing them around the map of Great Britain. It's like, right, we, and you see they're just pulling and pushing these sort of columns of things. This classic scene with the big wigs overlooking it all saying, right, we need more men in the air, chaps. And you see these sort of do things you, getting pushed about. Do you know what you'd love, Sharon? I know it's going off a tangent, but I do. There's this game called the Battle of Britain. It's a solo game and it's a board game. And you can actually, like the different areas, like, yeah. you know, you've got Kent you've got Kent and Dover and you've got the Southwest and you you know, you know you've got Norfolk and you've you're actually you've got the actual fighters and everything that was there and you have to decide push it around okay so the Battle of Britain I think this is a bit of a bank holiday classic isn't it yes it gets shown uh, a lot a back, uh, a bank holiday cl- uh, but um, what elevates it for you from from the level of just sort of bank holiday, easy in the background classic to bona fide classic. Yeah. I think it's that switch from the history lesson to actually becoming engaged with the characters. So where we've started off by giving like a history lesson about it, it's hard to sort of get the real feel for the film, but yeah. it is a quite a warm feel mm. and you do really root for these chaps. And there's stories that you get behind. So there's like um Christopher Plummer's in there and he's a, a, a fighter pilot and he's married to Susanna York and she's one of the ground crew who operates these pushy uh, things. I was just about to ask whether you had the the war movie cliche of a guy who has a girl back home on she the She has floor. a girl back home on and the And you know ground. exactly what's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Well, the, the, the pair of them are together, aren't they? They're sort yeah. of in, in a hotel and they're, you know, because they, they've got a little break and that's when the bombs drop on they London. They start seeing the blitz. And they're, in, they're yeah. in the sort of hotel bedroom and just about and then he goes... Oh, that's an explosion, isn't it? And, yeah. 
and she looks and she's laughing, isn't she, about the bomb in yeah. London. He shuts the curtains and says, my God, they're bombing. <laughs> Those are bombs. <laughs> and that's when they sort of switch, aren't it? Yeah. But that's yeah. quite a nice little story. It's a nice story because it gives you some heart to the story. Mm-hmm. And there's, a, there's the bit yeah. in that where he, she sees the guy that's burnt. The guy who's burnt, hur- yeah, yeah, horribly burnt yeah. in a hurricane. And, and he says, happens, doesn't he? He says, you've seen my little escapade with a burning hurricane. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's literally, his face is like a rubber mask because he's been completely burnt mm-hmm. and... You don't see sort of reconstructive surgery like that anymore because obviously yeah. it's moved on so far. But this was in the days when if you got burnt, that was it. That was how you looked for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Think um, Simon West from the Falklands War, but you know predate that by forty years. That sort of burning, and he you know, talks about here's my little escapade with the burning hurricane, and then he gets shot down, and you see him burning. Ooh. And she goes, is he horribly burnt? And they say, yes, I'm afraid he is. Because oh, she's due a promotion, way. isn't she? Yes. She's due a promotion. And she wants got to go to Scotland. Yeah, yeah. Wants, yeah so, so she's due so a promotion, so she doesn't know what to do. So for you, you're saying that it's the it's the combination between big, massive story and yeah. then finding individual stories. In the stories that you that, care about. That you, yeah. can, that you can sort of like connect up to see how the bigger things affect yeah. the smaller people. And it was filmed enough time after the war so that... It wasn't too sentimental about the war or too sacred about what happened. It wasn't, it wasn't too glory, glory. Ah. Yeah. I, actually, I think to, that's, that's a, a great observation because they actually show the German perspective as well. Yeah. And it's quite because, you know, like the German fighter pilots and the bomber yep. pilots. Yep. And, yeah. And so they, they do show the And that's what I was saying. About and they're the not Luftwaffe just like march, faceless evil Nazis. When it's the, it's yeah. a Luftwaffe, you know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, obviously, so you see it from both. And I think films like that are really good. It's like, it's the same as... You know, the longest day. Yeah, really. Torah, Torah, Torah. Yeah, all those where you yeah. see it from both sides, and it's not like placing any blame, yeah. is it? It was just like one of those things that happened, and you know, everybody at the end of the day, it's, they're all just yeah. people. And they were young men government. fighting other young men at the end of the day, and you see that quite realistically. <laughs> okay. And there's another great story. There's one great line we cannot say, can't we? That the German pilot says, where you've got like, is it Goering or someone who's parading all the marching? Goering, yeah. It's, it's like his Goering. sort of with his marshal's baton mm. and he said talking to all Ad, the pilots adult, and he says like Garland, the, what the can we get ace, for you when you love Tommy he says what can we get for you to you know beat the British and what does he say yeah. Shawnee a squadron of spitfires <laughs> <laughs> but what's quite interesting on that is the hurricanes actually shot down more planes than spitfires yeah. but the the spitfires and because I mean the whole object of the Battle of Britain was to shoot down the bombers yeah, yeah. and the fighters were just so the spitfires went after the fighters mm. and the the, to let the bombers get through. To let the yeah. bombers get through, and the hurricanes would go after the bombers. So who would shoot down which? Shoot down the German bombers. Yeah, shoot down the German bombers. Okay, cool, so, gotcha. so what you happened to the Spitfires would would take on the ME1. But the ME109s could only spend like fifteen minutes over Britain, and then that, that they were out of fuel. So they those the, are German planes. The German planes, yeah. 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 And so they made a Messerschmitt 110, which was a twin-engine fighter. I can like begin to see why you like need like why you need like a massive map with things the, to move around. The ME10s, they could stay over, but they weren't they they, they weren't so manoeuvrable, and they used to get shot down by. I mean, I love I love my aircraft. Okay, so. all right, okay, okay, okay. Quite final thing, final thing from each one of you. Favorite scene from Battle of Britain, Sean. Oh, oh, give me a chance to go to Sharon. Okay, I think Sharon, so many. favourite scene from Battle of Britain. Actually, my favourite scene is probably one of the most moving scenes. It's when you see that they've started the Blitz in London and one of the pilots has moved his family into the country, but she oh. says, I'm bored, I want to go back to London. There's nothing going on here. And she moves her family back to London and he gets to like a 48 hours leave and he walks back to where he lives and it had been bombed. And you really see what the impact of the Blitz was because often we... 
living down here, we didn't see it to the same degree. Not that I was alive then, but you know, you, the, his, the photos and the light, and you see him and the devastation that it caused. Yeah. And this one guy was walked in the room and he says, it's just like they've got something, he's like, they've got the dog and duck. And he's like devastated, this old chap. And this old lady cackles and said, you're going to have to find somewhere else to drink now, aren't you? But that, because it sort of captures that whole horror of the Blitz and this pilot... The red, they got the red crown. Yeah. You have to drink in the black sheep now, then. <laughs> yeah, because, and this pilot, he's lost his wife and his children because he's been making these mini little planes, hasn't he? Um, for his boys to play with. Yeah. There's like the human story of it. So that was one of my favourite scenes. That is an awful scene, but it's quite, it's the heart it's quite of the story. Yeah, it's the quite fact effective. that... There's my, a reason why we fought that war. My okay. favourite scene, my favourite scene, and it's, it's not a battle scene, it's the bit after the fall of France and, and the hesitation thing and the German prime, Kurt Jurgens, the, the German ambassador there in Switzerland, goes to see the British ambassador and the British ambassador, who is Ralph Richardson, yeah. and his wife, they go, oh, hi, and they, they've got all these civil things. And yeah. says, oh, you know, you've got nothing. You've got nothing to say. And you can, what you should sue for peace. The, the Hitler guarantees that you know there will be no war and he goes yes well we know that Hitler's guarantees guarantee nothing <laughs> and that and then they just walk out I really like that I yeah. said about it earlier we didn't did, I and that yeah. seems great okay cool thank you very much so Battle of Britain oh it's it I think that there's it's the kind of film that seems like there's just so much in it oh, that we could yeah, we could talk for a lot more it's we, a we, hours. two hour film <laughs> yeah so so essentially we could end up having like a whole podcast or a whole radio show that's actually longer than the film yeah so well, one more could. thing I know I know we got to go move on quick but if you go to the Battle Museum in Enfield in London which I go every year when I do the Special Olympics I always go there they, they've got an actual museum with the Battle of Britain where they show the they, sh they show bits and they've actually got all the all the planes all set up and you, you sit on this podium and they say this is the, all the, the they've got lights spotlights that light up all the different planes this is the Heigl 110 this is the Stuka this is the you know there's just so many Bolton Paul Defiance everything Sorry, yeah. <laughs> oh, cool, cool, good stuff, good stuff. All right, that's that. Uh, uh, thank you very much for that. That's <laughs> Britain. Yeah, I think we're, we're, unfortunately with the format of the show, we don't have enough space no. to give it, uh, give it its full due, or go through a scene by scene reconstruction <laughs> of the <Quite>. film, which <laughs> we could. Which and, uh, I, I'm looking, at, I believe it. I believe you guys could very, very easily. But now we go into our, our patient choice. So every Friday evening, I go into our pet ward, Alveston. And uh, speak to a patient, asking them the question about what is the... If they can remember and tell us the story of the first time they ever went to the cinema. This evening, I got to speak to Pam. Hello, Pam. Hope you remember that it was 6 o'clock when we were starting the show, and I hope you're listening. <laughs> hello, hello, Pam. And Pam got to speak to me about the first one she ever saw and who she saw it with. This is what Pam had to say. I remember seeing was with my mum, and we went to see Catherine Grayson in a film called Showboat, and that was in the 40s. <laughs> That's the musical? Yes. What do you remember about Showboat? Oh, a wonderful, wonderful male singer called Howard Keel. Really great. And it was just a lovely film. It started my love of the southern states of America. And I remember in the film was this steamboat, you know, paddle boat. And I always wanted to go down the Mississippi in a paddle boat. And in 1994, those years later, I recognised that ambition. And I went seven miles up the Mississippi and back in a paddle steamer. 
and I was in my element. That's that due to that film. And then the next film I saw was again with my mum, Mario Lanza, Because You're Mine. <laughs> so that's a long time ago. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago we actually <laughs> a couple of weeks ago we actually had a Mario Lanza movie on. It was the great Great Caruso. The great Caruso. Had to be, yes. yes, yes, somebody chose somebody chose the great Caruso. Okay, so from Showboat, which song would you like us to play you from Showboat? Any. Absolutely any. Alright, cool. We'll find Kiss Me Kate. Any of them, they're beautiful songs, sung by a beautiful singer. And you know, I met Howard Keel when he was in his 70s. I went to see him at uh, the Dern Gates uh, Theatre in, let me see, let me see, Northampton. And I went with my little friend backstage. He came out and he chatted to us for half an hour all those years later and I chatted to him about the film that set off my love of the Mississippi and Southern America. Okay, in that case, we will find you something sung by Howard Keel. Well, I mean, not professionally. Well, I'd say that's a desire that your heart is set on. Well, at least you're right there. Why do you want to be an actor? Why? Well, uh, well, the, the ordinary person wouldn't understand. I mean, that is, a person outside the profession. No? Well, you want to be an actress because it makes everything come true. Every exciting thing you've ever dreamed about. Even if it's make-believe, isn't that it? Yes, that is it, but how did you know? For instance, right now, you and I could be Romeo and Juliet. Or Elizabeth and Essex, or... Uh... Or Lady Southwaite and Hamilton Barsdale. Or Lady Southwaite and... Who? Oh, well, they're in the Tempest and Sunshine. Oh, yes, of course. As a matter of fact, we couldn't be anybody talking like this. We haven't been properly introduced. Well, that makes no difference in, uh, in make-believe. Well, I... I suppose that's true. So we could, uh, make-believe that we'd just fallen in love at first sight. Only make-believe I love you Yes. You see, that's the kind of thing that just sort of like, you know, you makes you think, we do de deserve our name of Sunshine Radio. 
Yes. 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 Have, have a That's nice little thing on a Friday lovely. evening. Sunshine Radio, same radio as Al Here's Howard Keel with Make Believe. I was doing Catherine Grayson <laughs> that, with Make yeah. Believe. So yeah, I was I was going to try and sing that, but I think that oh, I think Pam, I think you probably think that that was just a total sacrilege. Me trying to sing over Howard Keel's voice. I just thought <laughs> I'll, I'll let the great man, I'll let the great man take it away himself. Now, be, well, the thing I didn't tell Pam is that obviously when we uh, she was talking about that, that we have an absolute musical nut in the studio here in Sharon. Sean. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like Howard Kill movies. Yeah, because it's funny because it was funny when she said Catherine Grace and Sean went, showboat, 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 showboat. And then when she, when she went, oh, with Hercule, it was called showboat, Sean was like, yes. <laughs> and... And Sharon, what we was talking about, she was like, it was like, oh, Catherine Grayson, she was in a movie with Mario Lanza. <laughs> and then Pam says, oh, yeah, I saw this other movie with Mario Lanza. She was like, oh, yeah, Mario Lanza. <laughs> so, I want to defend Mario Lanza because I don't think many people have heard of him now. I think he's one of those stars who was definitely of his time and he's just been forgotten a little bit. Oh, he had a super voice. He was, he was, yeah. But he was classically trained. Classically trained, yeah. Yeah, yeah Mario Lanza was a, he was a classical man. Reminds me of that... Um, Whatever happened to Mario Lanza? Okay, so uh, we'll hand over to our resident musical specialist, Showboat. Showboat. So, yes. so that was the first film, first film Pam saw at the cinema. Tell us a little bit about Showboat and tell us what you think about that. Yeah, got it. I'm having to think back now to what it's about. Well, it's about obviously this Showboat and the people who their lives come and go and obviously their lives are dominated by the Mississippi mm-hmm. and it's set during a period is it just before the Civil War or just after the Civil I think War it's, I think it's sort of yeah I, it's, it's a bit ambiguous that isn't it you don't really get an era of, yeah, uh, I would say around about that time that time 18, it's that antebellum as they would call it in America isn't oh, it yeah. that sort of 1860s time where the Jim Crow laws are still in force Yeah. and so there's a particular character played by Ava Gardner who is one of the the singers on the showboat? Yes, and she is um, married, but it turns out that her grandmother was was an African American, and under the current laws, no one with any with a single drop of African American blood can marry uh, someone who is white. And I remember this one particular scene in it where um, he she cuts her finger and he takes her. A lick of the blood, and so he's got a single drop of her blood. Oh, okay, so he says, cool. "Right, I have a single drop of blood," and so they get married, and their marriage is like reinforced because they had the powers to annul marriages in the South if you weren't, if you didn't comply with these Jim Crow laws. Mm. But anyway, that's not the whole full story. But the story is, yeah, this the river and the showboat takes people up and down the river. The it takes ballot, cargo, it? Mm-hmm. it takes gamblers, it takes people fleeing from the past, it takes people. Just moving from the south to the north, it's this yeah, way it's of this life. Whole, yeah, way of life. Sort and of you meet these you know. couples, and so you meet um, Howard Keel and Catherine Grayson's characters, and how sometimes life starts on the boat, and then when they go onto the land, it's not the fairy tale that they wanted it to be. And people's dreams change as their their lives interact it's with the river colourful, and the boat. Movie, isn't it? Yeah. but yeah, you you just get sucked into that world mm. of the boat, the, that steamer, that paddle going around at the end, and there's that famous song, isn't it, Old Man River, about yeah. how the river sees all these changes mm. and it takes people's places and it moves people about, but the river just keeps rolling, yeah, it's just there, and it sort of witnesses to all these tumultuous times, and so yeah, you see a a snapshot of these lives as they interact with the river and the boat. Oh, good stuff. Sorry, I was trying to remember because obviously Ava Gardner 
didn't look like she had a drop of any sort of African-American blood in no. her. But it, it was one of those things, I remember when the film was released, there was a, a bit of a controversy because those sort of laws were kind of in, oh, there was some sort of echo of those laws in, in what's the word, in effect in Hollywood at that time. Yes. Because there was actually, and I can't remember, her, I don't think it was Dorothy Dandridge, but there was a there were oh god I've was got it a, Lena Horn that's it yeah Lena, Lena Horn. Horn it was Lena Horn yeah Lena Horn was supposed to play the Ava Gardner character yes. and had played that on stage and yeah. had actually I think they put can't her, help loving that man of mine exactly. or that man of mine yeah exactly they they put her in the film and everything and then the studio were like oh no sorry no no, no can't have her can't have her can't have her well they used the word that I don't like using so I'll just say black yeah <laughs> so like we just, it's like we just have, we have a black person in the film so they gave it to Ava Gardner for for that thing who just had dark hair it's like close enough yeah dark hair close enough and then they then, then they dubbed her singing voice yeah they, yeah. <laughs> they dubbed her singing voice in this on youtube there's actually clips of um ava Gardner singing can't help loving that man with her actual voice people are saying this is what her actual voice sounded like yeah but they they dubbed it but she was good she was good enough anyway so it's uh but anyway it's one of those things it's uh you remember the uh that there's this compilations that mgm used to do called that's entertainment yes yeah. Yeah, and they had the they had the whole story on there, and it's one of those things you can watch for three hours and just yeah. go like a story of the MGM musicals. I love because on that note, Marnie Dixon died this week, and she was most famous for being one of the the hidden voices of Hollywood. Oh yeah, she did the voices for Audrey Hepburn in My Fair Lady, and she did uh, Marilyn Monroe in some of her films. Um, but she was like the voice of the musicals and she wasn't oh, when they were singing. she had to say on a contract to say she would never be identified but later some of the actresses Deborah Carr she did Deborah Carr singing in The King and I they, she actually said to her no no it wasn't me singing it was Marnie mm. Dixon singing but I think it's nice to sort of we can say you know these are these hidden voices of Hollywood and Marnie Dixon who they, died this they, week they is one of them they should have done something like they didn't sing in the rain but yeah so Showboat <laughs> had that sort of thing in it didn't it where you had that overdubbing the hidden voice and it was Lena yeah, Horne. Yeah, but, but there's some great songs in Showbiz. Don't uh, the the, the uh, I think the actual the, the the hidden voice was Annette Warren. Was a lady called oh, Annette right. Warren. So it wasn't Lena Horne. Yeah, it wasn't Lena, Lena Horne. Was, was the one who was, was supposed to play the role. Yeah, yeah. she was just stopped from playing the role. But it's uh, I was just gonna say, don't get me started on singing on the road. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a great movie. I love. I know yeah, we, so did, we did it on the. I love that film. I love that film. <laughs> I think Singing in the Rain is my favorite musical. Is it? I just love it. I just love and I love the Lena Lamont thing. It's like, what's wrong with the way I talk? <laughs> they had a I little just... bit of that in Hell Caesar, didn't they, as well? Where oh, you had yeah. Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson was, was, was a, she was a, a little bit of a Lena Lamont. <laughs> she, had, she had a little bit of a Lena Lamont in her. Oh, by the way, um, Hell Caesar. Uh, I think I think I'll call Hell Caesar an exception to the rule. I like. I'd say go see if you love the golden age of. If you love the Golden Age of Hollywood, go watch a movie called it's Hell so Season. Good, it's it? just so it's so loving and it's so it's such a great parody because it's so loving of the films that it's parodying. Um, so okay, I think with that we'll say thank you so much for that, yeah, Pam. Thank you so much for that, Pam. Showboat, great, great, great shout, great shout. And man, it makes me want to go have a Howard Keel marathon. Yeah, mm. just go. We could watch Day of the Triffids. <laughs> And so, <laughs> seven brides, seven brides, seven brothers, and, and, oh, and, and, and a 
and get your gun. Get your gun. There, there you go. go. Business. I love that. But this is white gloves. <laughs> the no business. Yeah, All right. Okay. Yeah. Now we go into the section of the show where we talk about a hidden gem. Now this is a film that, with our rule, is made before 1980, but it's a film that many people do not know about. It has it has been shuffled away. It's kind of been swept underneath the carpet of history, and many people don't really remember it that much now. But we we have decided that this is the place. This is the platform that we're going to give these films to show themselves and show their true glory. And today, this film is chosen by Sean. Sean, what film have you chosen? Okay, this film today, and I mean, I didn't think it was going to be a hidden gem. I was, I thought this was just got to be a be a good movie. But when I asked yesterday when we was at the quiz, and I said to Joe, "Was a Bridget Remarque?" and he looked like that, and I thought. Well, we decided, didn't we say? That's yeah, got yeah. that's got to be a hidden gem. Because, People, you yeah. say the film, like, okay, if you didn't catch that, that was the bridge at Ramagan. The bridge at Ramagan. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Never heard of it. <laughs> You've never heard of it. It's a, it's a great World War Two movie. Um, Here with our theme today. Yeah, World War Two. And do you want me to just go straight into it, or did you want to ask me? Some okay, no, no, no. I was, I was just going to say because usually what happens is that when I when I when I looked and I saw okay the Battle of Britain, let's do something because Sharon had chosen the Battle of Britain, and I thought because the let's do it round about here because this is the the um, anniversary of it, yeah. and when I and I thought oh, wow we could just sort of take the whole show and give the whole show to World War Two movies, and I thought Sean's going to love this <laughs> because if Sharon is a resident musical expert, Sean is a resident World War Two nut. So and so obviously when I said Sean, can you pick, can you think of a hidden gem, a World War Two movie? No one, many people know. You could see his eyes crackling <laughs> with electricity. Yeah, which one? Which one? You could see his, uh, so so and and as you've seen already, Sean has a habit of just throwing quotes out when he loves a film so much. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions before I let you loose. Okay. First of all, okay, Bridge of Romagen. Where is Romagen? What is Romagen? Okay, Romagen. It's a bridge across the Rhine. It's in southern Germany, around about. And it was called actually called the Ludendorff Bridge, and. Um, this was a bridge that spanned the Rhine, and obviously there wasn't many places to cross the Rhine, which would get from like the West Bank to the, you know, East Bank yep. to go east. And but this was one of the few bridges that was left standing when the Americans' first army came down, and this bridge is still standing. So what they decided to do, they decided they captured the bridge so they could get across the Rhine. And so this is basically stories. I mean, the film itself is very loosely based, but it is historical fact that. This bridge, the Ludendorff Bridge, they wanted to capture intact. And uh, basic history lesson: they did catch it. This is in like forty-five, get towards the end of the war. All right. They did, they did catch the bridge, and then the Germans just threw absolutely everything at it. They threw V two rockets. They tried to destroy it, and it lasted about ten days, in effect, before it actually collapsed. Killed about twenty-nine U.S. engineers. But uh, the film itself, this is the story. Okay. Okay. So, so question: When was the film made? The film was made in 68. Oh, okay, cool. And what's quite interesting, going on the other one, I was, I was having a little look, and the, it was when the Rus- <laughs> they'd done the film, and then the Russians invaded uh, Czechoslovakia in 68 to install a communist government again, and Robert Vaughan and all the actors had to leave in taxis because they filmed it in Czechoslovakia. Oh, yeah. It was actually filmed because they, they decided this bridge looked so similar to the Ludendorff Bridge in Germany that they filmed at this location. So, and also the town was going to be destroyed because they wanted to mine lignite. So it was just the perfect place because they could blow up this town, which was going to be destroyed anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. so the town's leveled and they've got this bridge. They just built the two towers. What marks it as a famous bridge is each end, they've got these two like massive towers, like big turrets. So, so it's, it's quite conspicuous. It's quite a unique looking bridge. And um, yeah, 
So. All right. Okay. So, Karen, you're going to yeah. say about the film. And the film itself, the opening before the credits come or anything like that, you see this this German train of prisoners, uh, not prisoners, German soldiers or wounded soldiers, and it's like, and it's going across this bridge, and the trains across the bridge, and the train stops. Well, they're sort of pretending the bridge, and you can hear this rumbling of tanks, and they're going, and all these this big column of tanks, and it's great. You got these M10 chaffy tanks just pouring towards this bridge. Anyway, the the train gets over, and then the bridge blows up. This because this isn't the bridge at Remagen. This is the Overcastle Bridge, and uh, then you, it flashes to Kurt Jurgens again, and they're talking about the bridge. Why? And you know, they've got like the SS Nazis. Why wasn't it destroyed before? Why wasn't it destroyed before? Well, it's the only way we can get our soldiers across the to the East Bank. And he says, "Okay, well the last bridge is there, the bridge at Remagen. It must be destroyed at the earliest possible moment." And this, this German marshal argues and says, but it's the only way we can get all our soldiers back. The whole of the Ninth Army will be stuck behind. But they're saying it must be destroyed. So, and then they mark it, Remagen, and then the music, and the music's just great. It goes, do do do, Elmer Bernstein. It just <laughs> takes oh. off, and you get obviously it was like a helicopter shot of the bridge and all the Germans going across. Okay, okay, speaking about the music, let's have a little bit, uh, well, let's have the tune by Elmer Bernstein, The Bridge of Remagen. Was the theme tune from um, theme tune from what's the name Bridget of the Remagen. Bridget Remagen. Sorry, we we're just talking about all these other war movies, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I was yeah, yeah. I was getting my head totally confused. I was kind of like, that was the theme tune from Force Ten from Nav No, 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 no. That's another film. That's not the one we're talking about right now. <laughs> so um, yeah, so we're talking about this. So Sean, who's in this movie? Okay, well you've got George Seagull, Ben Gazzara, Robert Vaughn. Um, again, it's one of those movies that shows it from the German perspective and also the Americans' perspective. And basically, Robert Vaughan, he's the, the colonel that has been sent to blow up the bridge at the earliest possible moment. Oh, right. And, and so he's the German... Court. He's the German commander. And as he's, as he's heading towards the bridge, he looks out and he can see these, these German officers being shot. So it's like, you know, and he's going, mm, you know, he's really surprised. Anyway, he, so he gets to the bridge and he, he tries to rally his forces and he's saying, you know, Ah, the generals promised me two panzer battalions that will come, and so you know, sort of, they're all all waiting for everything. And then on on the American side, you've got some really embittered, you know, sort of. They're just really they they've had enough of fighting. They're really down, you know. They just they just do it because they've got to do it. And then, of course, this little troop. They said, right, 
okay, you've got to capture the bridge, you know, and he says, you promised us, you know, we could have a break now. We've been fighting all the time. So basically it's this story of them trying to get across the bridge, but first they have to take the town and they take the town and that is just one amazing battle scene. You know, you've got Panzer Faust and there's big street street battles and buildings blowing up and you just got loads of, loads of fighting going on there. And then eventually Robert Vaughan's there and he's, he's put all these explosives with this engineer to blow the bridge. Yeah. And he goes, oh, they, you know, the Americans are coming and they get onto the bridge, George Seagull's like, and they're trying to cut all the all the wires of the explosives. And then they, they do the old plunger and there's this big explosion and it's like, oh no, no. But the bridge is still standing. And old Robert Vaughan's going. <laughs> when the smoke clears. Okay, yeah, when the smoke clears and he's like, oh no, you know, we've got a, a cheap industrial explosive. So, so the, the Americans start to get across to capture the bridge. Yeah. And of course, the people are saying, well, where's these, these Panzer divisions? Where's these tanks? So he gets in the car to go back to, you know, originally where he was. Yeah. And as he arrives in, the, the general that gave him the orders is sort of in a chair and you've got all the Gestapo and the SS people. And he goes, the bridge at Remagen is no longer your concern. <laughs> and uh, obviously what happens is like, like at the beginning where he's driving past. Yeah. He ends up, you know, same thing happening yeah, to him. He's back it's to the wall. So, oh, wow. So, yeah, so that's like the, the the start when he goes to the bridge and when he comes back to try and get reinforcements, yeah. they just, just arrest him. And <laughs> so, yeah, so it's a bit nihilistic like that, I guess, but there's some, some great battle scenes in it and when the, the the tanks are coming towards the bridge from the from the far bank, you know, there's loads of... It's, if you love action movies, this yeah, is, well, you know, love war movies. But, yeah, so this strikes me. It strikes me as the okay. So this was made in the sixties. Yeah. And around about this is around about the same time as things like um, Forced from Navarone or Guns of Navarone and stuff like that, isn't it? I think Guns of Navarone was about sixty four, wasn't it? Sixty four. But I think Battle of Britain was would have been around about that time. Same time. Bridge too far, maybe a couple of years later. So there must have been this big. Yeah, because it, 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 it seems like the sixties. That was just kind of like far away enough from the war, war. And because obviously this was being made in Hollywood and in America, they thought they won. The, like uh, the the story is like we won the war. It, it seems like that just seems to be like a fertile ground for essentially action war World War Two movies where they're like, yeah, check us out, no action, yeah, yeah, look what we did there. And essentially, it's probably where the whole in films, the whole like, oh, German bad guy. So like, you know, the like, you know, the way you're talking about the the way the Robert Vaughn's character ends up is kind of like bad guy and yeah. gets his comeuppance because yeah. that's all he deserves. Kind well, of. You feel quite no, no, Robert Vaughn's a good guy. Him. Robert, it's not like that. Robert Vaughn is a good guy. He's got the best intentions at heart but because he's because he's left his post yeah he's, he, he is a good guy and basically you know you see him as a conflicted yeah. nazi all yeah. right gotcha yeah gotcha because yeah. so, there's some you see in films where they are nazis through and through and you think you scratch the surface and there's mm. just a swastika Be, underneath because he's not these are like more conflicted they're, they're more actually like, evil they're with trying out their yeah. Heads. yeah these are they've tried to in the 60s you try to see them try to explore the character of some of the germans and you get films where they're more sympathetic, they're more mm. rounded. And like Robert Vaughan was one of those more rounded characters where he's fighting for the Nazi war machine, but you get the feeling that he's not a committed Nazi, that he's yeah. he's, a, he's a German patriot, but he's mm. not and, political. And, and also he wants to get, you know, he looks after his people and he wants to get the last Germans across and everything like that. So he, so he holds out until the last possible moment. Mm -hmm. you know? so, so he's really a good guy. And basically what it's saying is the good guys, yeah. Know, they're, Get treated by the 
bad guys. <laughs> you know, they they get so he's he's actually he's portrayed as as a fairly sympathetic. Sympathetically, yeah, he is. In, in this movie, okay. all right. Okay, one final question before we move on. What's Robert Vaughn's German accent like? Not particularly good, I wouldn't say. <laughs> I don't think he's tried to go for authentic German accent. No, I don't, think, I don't think they'd go for authentic German accent. Just as a final point then, it's a quite a, a nice mirroring of the Battle of Britain because the Battle of Britain is set obviously during the beginning of the war. This is set at the end of the war. And the All whole right. tone of the film and the colour palette and everything about it is like it's more jaded, whereas the Battle of Britain is bright colours. They're quite eager, they're quite young. They're ready for the fight. This is at the end of the war. They're tired. The colour palette's much greyer, isn't it? Much darker in tone. And so you see that that, 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 that war weariness comes yeah. through throughout yeah, the yeah. whole film. Def- whereas, definitely So they do weariness. juxtapose each other really well. Whereas one's like this sort of the young fighting men. And this is like they're worn out. They're tired. They've been fighting for six years, some of them. Mm. The Germans especially longer. And they're tired of it all. And so it's quite a nice mirroring, isn't it, of the, of the two, so, two yeah, war films yeah, we've got. Yeah, really... And also, Sean, some of the things you were saying sounds it sounds like it has echoes or of one of your favorite movies of all time, Fury. <laughs> Fury, yes, yeah, I does, love Fury, it? yeah, yeah, really, very much so. I mean, I guess I must, you know, obviously, a, a creature of habit, but yeah, no, Fury's a great movie. I because would. that similar thing, because you were talking about the tanks, this is all about tank, end of the war, all that kind of stuff, extremely jaded people who just want to go home. Yeah. So, uh, uh, oh, yeah. all right, good stuff, yeah, good stuff. Thank you very much for that, Sean. I think uh, it sounds like a worthy, worthy it is, is a worthy cause. It's just one thing, isn't there? Um, Robert Fawn loses his and cigarette his case. Do you remember yeah. at the end, he, he drops his cigarette case on the bridge and obviously the, the George Siegel picks it up and opens it up and there's the Germans that on the other side have surrendered. He he offers the like the like one of the people a cigarette and he says, oh, where did you get that case on it? It's symbolic of his nice, yeah. nice little moment. The, the end of their dreams. Okay, all right. Now, now we go into the final section of the show. Well, before we start talking about what's at cinema at the moment, <laughs> where we talk about um, an exception to the rule. So we're talking about World War II movies today, and this is a movie that's made after 1980 that we say still gives you that kind of feeling of movies beforehand. Still, so it's like, you know, what? so we've seen the 60s treatment from both ends, beginning of the war, end of the war. Now we jump after 1980 to see what the treatment of this was. And so, Sean, you, you get to choose this one again. And what, tell us, what film did you choose? Okay, this film, Red Tails. Yeah. Okay, Red Tail. It's quite a recent film, 2015, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah 2015. Yeah. Um, and it's basically uh, with the American bomb. Obviously, they they had these these massive daylight bombing missions to bomb. Yeah. And uh, like they used to get a fighter escort, but like a bit like what you were saying in the Battle yeah, of yeah, Britain at the beginning. The of Britain. But they had th- these. Th- the Americans had a plane P forty one Mustang. Cadillac of Disguise, I think it's mentioned in, um, in another war film, Empire, the Sun. Yeah. B-51 Mustang Empire. Anyway, but basically this plane, it wasn't very good when it was an American plane, but they fitted the Rolls-Royce engines in it, which they, they used in the Spitfires, and it became yeah. probably the, well, the Cadillac of Disguise, you know. And it, they had long-range fuel tanks, so they could actually, these guys could actually escort the bombers all the way into Germany because mm-hmm. they had dropped tanks. But at the start of the film... The, the the fighter pilots in these P-51 Mustangs, they used to, if the Germans would come to attack the bombers, a bit like in the Battle of Britain, the fighter pilots would go after them. So yeah. they'd leave the bombers all alone. So what the Germans used to do was they'd sort of have a few decoys. So all the all the American fighters would shoot after the fighters and then some more would come and, and take out the bombers. Yeah. Know? And then anyway, but there's a squadron 
and they they don't do any fighting. They don't do any fighting at all. You know, they were Afro-American squadron. You know, yeah. they, they fly stuff, and they don't really get a chance to have any well, action. Yeah, because the, the film, because you, you mentioned this, and I watched the film last night, and it kicks off with this quote where it's from a 1925 study that's written, like a 1925 academic study, that essentially talks about how the African-American is inferior in every way and is not built for combat or anything like that. So there was a... There was a there was a policy that we cannot let, well, essentially, we cannot let black people fly planes because they don't have the mental capacity and all that kind of stuff to actually get into a plane. They don't have the flexibility or the dexterity or the intelligence required to fly a fighter plane. And so you have this, the 332nd Division, who they, by the time the film starts, they've already fought a war and they've won what seems like a, ba uh, a battle, which is that they have this, uh, they call it the Tuskegee experiment because yeah. they were from because Tuskegee in Georgia, I think it was. And they were, okay, like, okay, all these black guys come in, we'll train you up, you can fly planes. But they give them old planes and they have them in Italy because it, said, it starts from 1944 in Italy and they're not really engaged in any combat. They're sort of like flying on like recce missions mm. and they're like, oh yeah, go blow up that chip. Blow up a, a, uh, it actually starts off with some of them flying around and they see, oh, that's a, that's a, a what's it called? It's a truck. It's a truck with, <laughs> that is not even involved in the war or anything like that. It's just driving along. But they're Germans. Let's go, let's go shoot them up. They shoot it up. Like, oh, that's a train. That's a train. Are those Germans? Oh, it's a cargo train. We don't know. Oh, oh, oh I think that there's Germans. Okay, yeah, but they're not even, they're not really involved in the war effort, but oh, let's just shoot it up anyway. So they, they have this whole thing where, and it's, it's, uh, this film, I think is almost a bit like Rocky. It's yeah, like, it's like yeah. Rocky with, with aeroplanes. Yeah. Is that because it's kind of like you know you have all this entire squadron of like, of black fighter pilots and they're all kind of like oh you know it's kind of like oh they just want to give us one shot just give us one shot and I didn't come all the way to Italy to blow up trucks it's like it's like one of them has a he has a quote where he's like oh I'm gonna get back home and they're gonna ask me what was your kill record it's gonna be like well I killed two trucks one train <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's, it's, and it's like it's gonna sound like it's like my my kill record's gonna sound like the catalog at like you know a car mechanics or something yeah. like that and because they're all itching to get involved in battle and this is a film that very much very much I think. It harks back to like the 40s and 50s kind of war movies that you would see in the 40s and 50s where it was about the glory and it was all about the oh, and it was a, so it's kind of like oh we're gonna get a show when we're gonna get a show when we're gonna get a show to kill some Jerry's and all that kind of stuff and at the beginning you have the the captain has gone back to America because they're trying to shut it down and he's like you haven't given us any chance you haven't given us a, so they eventually get a chance and it's kind of like it's just like Rocky when it, it like gets glory as well I think glory is a lot more glory is a lot more Oh, it's a lot more realistic, a lot more gritty okay. than this is. This is a lot more Saturday morning. Mm. It's, it's a lot more Saturday morning right. cereal. It's a lot more. I think some so somebody uh, I was reading about this. People compared it to essentially they made a World War Two Top Gun, right? Which 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 is it's it's like a World War Two Top Gun is it's the fact that it, George Lucas was a massive push to this film being made. Mm. It's it's kind of like. Star Wars in that you know the whole thing uh, when they have the whole attack on the Death Star there's the, you can see elements essentially this is an adventure movie yeah more it's than a, a study of it's it, black American rights in the more than a study yeah, yeah it, it's definitely. kind of it, it's the fact that they're black and the fact that they have prejudice against them is treated 
it's not focused on massively in this film. It's kind of showing like, oh yeah, yeah, they're black and all that kind of, and it show, and it plays in a couple of ways. And it plays there. There is one particular way that I, I felt like it played in an unexpected way, which was that uh, one of them gets shut down uh, because he he's had like an injury and he can't really see that well. But he begs his he begs the squadron leader to let me fly, let me fly. So he gets him back in the plane, but he can't really see. So he gets shut down of somewhere over Germany. And he gets arrested and taken to a to a concentration camp, and when he gets taken in there, he he gets taken to the the top American soldier there, and he goes, and and he goes, oh yeah, I asked for you to be here. So do you want to know why I asked for you to be here? And he was like, why? He was like, because there's no way in hell you're a German spy, <laughs> <laughs> because it's black. <laughs> it's like there's no way in hell you're a German spy. <laughs> so if you come in here, I know that you are gonna be here like an American. You're on our side <laughs> because the, and it was the fact that when when they escape the concentration camp, there's a bit where they're like, "Come with us, come with us, Ray Gun," and he's like, "No way! I'm gonna I'm gonna stick up like a sofa. <laughs> you guys are gonna get caught before you go anywhere if you have a black guy with you." And there's there's ways in which it plays with them, which which is somewhat based in fact apparently um um but the the film really is it it it's a very very it's good adventure movie, movie. It's, it's an action right. movie yeah, yeah. the the fight scenes the dog fight scenes are awesome the dog fight scenes are awesome and i one of the things i think i really really liked about it was that they managed to get across what was going on up there they managed mm. to get across why it was hard to shoot that pilot down or why uh, even some of the maneuvers that they pulled i was like you're watching it and you might not know anything about planes but you get what maneuver that guy has just pulled and how he's just managed to, one guy's chasing him and his mates is like pull up and they come out and land behind mm-hmm. the guy and start shooting at him. And then there's a bit where they come up with, uh, Sean, you'll know the name of the planes. They have these jet, the first, jet fighters. The jet fighters. Yeah. There's a bit where they have Major the Schmidt fr- 262s. Yeah, yeah they that, have the, that's, that's brilliant because they are super fast. Yeah, and, like, and, and the bit where they show how fast they are because it could just be the sky and it could just be plane, plane, mm-hmm. plane. But they managed to draw a distinction between the jet fighters and the what they call the Mustangs. Mustangs, yeah. To, and you, you, you see them, and the way they shoot that, you just kind of watch it and go, ooh, those guys are in trouble. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like the, they, the red they, tails are they, in trouble. They should have spent, but the, yeah, those those Measure Smiths, the, the first, they were, you know, twin engine jet fighters, yeah. and they were like yeah. super fast. But yeah. They, the Germans came up with some other stuff. They had this other one, which was like a little rocket, which used to. It couldn't land. It was just like a bit, and it used to shoot up really high, and then it would just fall down into the bomber squadrons and just sort of shoot, and then it would have to land without <laughs> any undercarriage or anything. But um, oh yeah, no, just out of interest, you know they called the, you know like P fifty one Mustang, and and you got the B seventeens and the B twenty five Mitchells and all that. Do you know with, with American they, that's a nomenclature, which is do you know what B stands for? B seventeen, pretty obvious. Bomber. 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 What do you reckon P stands for? Because we, we call them fighters, no. no. Pursuit. Pursuit, so okay. Be, yeah, that's, that's, that's what they call their fighters, they call them well, pursuit. To, so well, to chase after the stuff. And all yeah, that. yeah, so I mean, that's just what the so P, if it's got a P, the P it's stands for pursuit. A zippy one, if it's a B, it's a bigger beast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, it's, there's some, some great action sequences. What, no, and yeah. it gives you, I mean, the, the, and the, the bomber guys are like, I don't care as long as you, <laughs> because, you know, as long as you save my bombers, because they actually stayed with, the bomber yeah, formations yeah, that, to protect it, whereas, that, like that I was saying bit, at the beginning, that bit apparently is quite um, true to true, true to yeah, life. Yeah, it is that they never lost a bomber they lost because bomber, no. because the captain sent them up there and he was like, look, they had video of like what happened before. They were like, they were like, this is what they've done. This is how they've done yeah. it wrong. This is why we're mm-hmm. losing bombers. You guys have it against you because you're black. You do not leave yeah, the bombers. Yeah, yeah. Because there's, so, there's one scene where he wants to, and there's a couple yeah. of them, and he goes, no, you stay where you are. And yeah. like the wing commander, the, yeah. the, 
He's a squadron leader. Squadron, squadron leader. He's he's a guy called Nate Parker. Nate Parker. Yeah, I've yeah, seen Nate. him in some other stuff. Yeah, uh, he's actually he's in a film that's he's written, directed, and starred in a film called um, Birth of a Nation, which is coming. Yes, well, that's remake. coming out soon. No, 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 not a remake. It, it's it's a, okay. So Birth of the Nation is a movie that was made ages ago by F. Murnay, F. W. Murnay, D. W. Griffiths. Uh, D. W. Griffiths. That was the yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, D. W. Griffiths, and it's all about how the Ku Klux Klan. Mm-hmm. And so now he's he's made another film called Birth of the Nation, but this is about a slave uprising. Wow! When's so that due out? It's 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 on the festival circus now circuit now. It should be out next year or oh, later. And it's, it's about the, it's been getting rave reviews and it's about a slave uprising and it's wow. that's based on real life where essentially they'd had him as a anyway never mind. Another what, film I'm looking for. I just got to say that is the Free State of Jones, which is yes uh, with old Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey and it's like in the Southern States. He did it's a civil war, American civil war, and he decides that he wants to form his own state and he'll have you know. It, Ex-slaves and everything out in there. So, oh, but of course the Confederate don't. Yeah, so I, that, that's due out. I think probably next month. Haven't heard of. Haven't heard of that. That's one. got Gugu oh, Mbatha. It comes here, I <laughs> yeah, hmm? it's got Gugu in it. The one. Gugu Mbatha Raw. Yeah, she's yeah. yeah. in it. Yeah, so um, uh, but yeah, okay, Red Tails. Red Tails. But Red Tails is essentially, I think the best way to sum up Red Tails is that it's the Disney, three is it's like the Disney treatment of race issues during World yeah. War II. Because mm. I've seen a version of a fi- the film made about 20 odd years ago now yeah. called the Tuskegee, the Tuskegee, I don't know how you pronounce Tuskegee. it. Tuskegee. Tuskegee Airmen, yeah. which had Lawrence Fishburne in it. And that was really about the whole race, more about the racial side, about that fight for equality yeah. Yeah. In, as fighting men. Yeah. yeah. They weren't lesser, they were fighting men and they needed to be respected as airmen and as fighters in their own yeah. right. So that was a much more heavier treatment of it so when I saw that Red Tails was out I thought oh it's exactly the same film nah, but obviously this is a much it, more it, fun this, this is the fun side yeah. of this is the fun it's, side oh I definitely it. have it's, to watch that it's now. kind of like the fact that it, it's kind of like the way, the way they treat race in this film it's it's a bit like when you're you see a high school movie and you have like a kid who everybody doesn't like and then he comes up and he turns out to be like you know the star quarterback and he can throw a really good ball and everybody comes up to me at the end and goes all right, I don't care where you came from, man. You're a great quarterback. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty it. much yeah. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty much, much the it. treatment yeah. of race in this film. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, it, it has its cliches. It has like the whole, oh, go my, the only guy who has a girl waiting for him, you know what's going to happen there. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the only guy who has a girl, you know what's going to happen that's there. That's a kiss of death for any war film. Exactly. It's like, it, so once he gets into the plane and he has like the picture of the dashboard, I'm like, oh, God, he's dead. Oh, has he got a, yeah, it's like, does he have a dog as well? Because <laughs> The dog's going to be sat there. Where's my master coming home? I was like, he's dead. I mean, yeah. so it, it has, it has those. It has. Oh, it, the, the, I know some people complain about the dialogue, and it does have, especially whenever they're within the bombers, the dialogue is risible. And I feel like when the people mm-hmm. who they got to play the people in the bombers were not actors. I think they were like people who just got off the street because those scenes clank. They oh. clank like anything, and they make you go, "What the? What the heck's what going on?" Yeah, what's happened here? Why is it suddenly slowed to half speed? Yeah. Oh, and it has some really funny characters as well. Like there's the there's one of the one of the guys who walks around, and he's because in all these films you always have to have the one that's religious. I have the religious one who walks <laughs> yeah, around yeah. with a picture. That's normally the kiss of death as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, he, he has a picture, and it, but the, he has a picture of Jesus, but his Jesus is black. Okay. And, and he keeps calling him Black Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, he keeps going, it's okay, guys. I pray to Black Jesus. He's going to help. <laughs> He's going to help. Did they even say black in those days? I thought they tended to use the news. Well, I think that the, there's a bit where he, they, they're actually, you know, they have a scene 
and it's about the only scene that follows it on head on and it feels really really tacked on it feels like they added the scene on yeah, the end just to sort just of like do something with it and it's where they talk about the whole thing it's like um it's uh, where, where one of the guys goes well we call you colored but you don't like that do you i mean uh, what's the actual term mm-hmm. and the other black guy goes well the proper term is negro <laughs> 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 but anyway, uh, I think it's it's a great great popcorn movie, right. great popcorn movie. Yeah. Oh right, it's but, a but don't different to expect. Yeah, yeah, but don't go there expecting any big massive political statements or any advancement of black people or anything like that. It's just a fun movie, and it just so happens that these guys are black. Cool. <laughs> so, cool. So, I'm a fun battle of Britain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except Americans. Americans. <laughs> well, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. When you were talking about the bombers and them shooting on the bombers and everything yeah. like that, I was thinking this sounds like what I saw last night. In the meantime, uh, get well soon. Get, go home. Listen to your doctors and remember, as always, they don't make them like they, they used to. This program was sponsored by Musty's Taxes, your 24-hour Isle of Wight service for taxes.